0: Hi, you're listening
1: to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best.
0: Thanks for listening to Your Best with Kathy Weckworth.
1: Today's topic is Thankful, Grateful, Blessed, Part 2. Friends, this is November, and we're looking at the month thinking about Thanksgiving and being thankful, grateful, and blessed. First Chronicles 16.34 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. In my lifetime, I've experienced fairly good health. People around me, whether it was my friends or family members, were all very healthy. My grandparents lived until late in the 80s, and my siblings never experienced any illness. When I married Farmer Dean, well, I think he went once to the Benson Clinic for a sore throat about 35 years ago. But then the days arrived with some dark clouds as my father was diagnosed with precancerous cells. And it was really difficult. I remember that day when he called and asked me to pray about whether or not he should have surgery. I felt strongly he should wait. But mom and dad determined that they would go through the surgery, and he did. Unfortunately for my father, the doctor nicked his colon and my dad went into cardiac arrest. According to witnesses, the doctor sipped his coffee and read his paper while the nurses reported, wildly, my daddy's condition. He took his time getting there and my father was revived, but not without many complications. After two years in the hospital and nursing home, my father passed away. Of course, I was grateful for those two years that we had, and I was thankful that it wasn't worse and that he still had his brilliant mind. But illness, cancer, trials, and troubles are not anyone's choice. We could all do without it, right? Once Daddy died, it was only a short while later that one of our dear friends, Grandpa Gene, died. Following that, one year later, my dearest friend, Grandma Mary, passed away from cancer. With each changing of the seasons, with each report of another illness— I held my chin up, I sent my prayers up, and I put my guard up. You see, it never got any easier. I thought it would. I thought watching people go through similar circumstances would allow me to harden my spirit, get better control, and less so, my emotions. But instead, it taught me that going through trials, troubles, and illness is a learning curve each and every time. And in those learning moments, I learned to be grateful for crazy, wonderful things, Looking back at time with my dad, each time he called me, I pretended like it was my last call. I'd tell him all the things I could think of that I'd never remembered before to let him know. I was thankful. When Grandpa Gene died, I had gone over to see him two nights before that because Grandma Mary had made a fabulous dinner for us. We laughed, we chatted, we talked about Jesus. I was grateful. When Grandma Mary died, it was a long, stretched-out affair, and I went over every week and sat with her, baked for her, cooked, cleaned a bit, and mostly napped while she napped. I was blessed. I learned that we live in a world filled with sickness, that no one is untouched by sorrow, and all of us are susceptible to disease. We live in a fallen world. It's life. It's death. We all have our days numbered by God. In turn, that taught me to value my days. I became fully awake. No more did I live in the crazy thought process that I'm forever safe, continually protected, and will die at age 104. I value my days. I value my time. I'm thankful for my children and grandchildren. I love my job and my husband. I'm grateful for living in the town of Benson. I'm blessed by my little church and the wonderful friends I have that come to our events. Friends like Rose and Carolyn, Doreen and Lois, Luella and Donald, Mona and Walter, Linda, Bev, Floyd, Marlene, Peg, Javon, and all of our other friends. Life is filled with unexpected surprises, some of them great, some of them sad, many of them difficult. And for all of those reasons, I am so thankful, grateful, and blessed to have Jesus as my Savior and a strong faith that I work at walking out each day. Well, today I'm so excited to have a special guest with us, and that is our very own hometown State Farm Insurance agent, Mark Frank. And today we're talking about being thankful and grateful and blessed. And Mark, you have an incredible story to share with the listeners today. So welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me. I appreciate you having me
1: on. Oh, I love it. I love that you're here. So, Mark, tell us a little bit about what you've been through over the past couple of years with an illness. What's happened?
0: Okay. Uh, I was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia in early November 2013. This is the kind of leukemia that is normally found in children, but it's also very aggressive in a a cancer in adults. Uh, A more difficult treatment also in adults than it is in kids. We decided to go to the Mayo Clinic for treatment. They put me on a chemo regimen. I was fortunate enough that my cancer went into remission after my first regimen. My Dr. Pitnayak, who's from India, a nice guy, told me that we had some choices at that point. He said that he could give me a couple quality years if we just went with the straight chemo route or I could try for a cure with a bone marrow transplant. But my quality of life would be affected. I could not use my own marrow. We had to use another person's marrow, what's called an allergenic transplant. My doctor was also very harsh in explaining to me the chances should I decide to go with the bone marrow transplant route. He said I'd have a 20% chance of dying the first year, a 30% chance of dying the second year, and a 50% chance of dying in the first five years. Wow. Yeah, he did not sound very optimistic. No. After our meeting, we went down the elevator, and I told my wife, Cindy, that she might as well start digging the hole because that's kind of how the predicament sounded. Hmm. I now know that he was really just doing his job, and he needed to tell me the truth and not pretend that this was going to be an easy fix or a fast fix. Yeah. Dr. Pranayak and I have actually grown to be very good friends On occasion, I can even actually get a laugh out of him. That's good. (laughs) Uh, I have great respect for him and actually all of the staff at the Mayo Clinic. They've been nothing but good in in, in a very difficult job.
1: Mm, Yeah.
0: And they have to do it every day. And yet they do it with a smile on their faces. Mm. Dr. Pranayek tells me he's working on a better cure. He's in research right now. And I do believe he will succeed.
1: So, Mark, let me just quick interject something here. When you first found this out and they said this is a kind of disease that children get, was that a surprise to you? Did you have anything like this ever in family? Any kind of cancer or?
0: Yes, my grandpa had leukemia. Uh, I never knew what type of leukemia he had. Okay. Uh, But they treated him and treated him and treated him and and he hung on for a couple years and wound up dying from it.
1: Okay. Okay. And, and was it a surprise, was it a shock to you and Cindy? Had you been feeling sick? I mean, how did you find out something was wrong?
0: It went very quickly. Uh I hunted pheasants, the pheasant opener. And that's a lot of walking and, and stuff. Yeah. And a week later I couldn't get up the stairs. Oh it came on very quickly. Okay. And uh I I I don't is it a shock? Of course it's a shock. Yes. Yes. Yeah, of course you know, it's a shock when somebody yeah. You know, and, and so they did a bone marrow trans, or excuse me, a bone marrow biopsy on me, where they okay. dig into your bones and grab sure. your marrow
1: out and, and see what's test happening.
0: Test it, mm-hmm. and uh, Dr. Horica came into my office, and I wasn't there; I was home because I was feeling lousy. Mm. And he told Cindy first, which was she beat him home, I'm thinking, by five minutes when they okay. came back and, right. to tell me about it. And yeah, it's a shock. It, it's a it's a change of life.
1: And how did Cindy respond at those first initial words? Uh,
0: pretty scared. Oh, yeah, Yeah, of we were course. all pretty scared.
1: Of course. And, and when you don't know what the outcome's going to be, um, you know, it's, it's overwhelming. So keep going on with your story.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's quite, it's, not, it's, it. it's not that long, but it's dang long. It is. Well, no, that's it's, okay. It's we that want to
1: hear. We want to hear.
0: Uh, there are differing rounds of chemo. Some are pill, where you just take a pill and you go home. Others are harsher and thus require a hospital stay for several days. And those were unfortunately the kind that I had to do. Uh, The first round and all of the odd numbered rounds are, you get the usual issues, uh, loss of appetite, loss of hair, nausea, and and, and all that fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, The even number ones unfortunately were actually worse. Um, you get painful burns on your feet and your groin areas. Mm. and, And that, that was the one I really actually dreaded worse. Uh, with all of them and in between, unfortunately, I got something called a lumbar punch, uh, where they stick a needle into your spine and take fluid out to test for leukemia. And then they stick, uh, chemo back in just in case they, they may have something there. And I was lucky enough to get only 17 of them, uh, While I'm doing this, my doctor's looking for a bone marrow match. And all my colleagues at Mayo waiting for bone marrow transplants, unfortunately, get to go through the same type of a game, waiting for a match that will be compatible with their body types. Uh, When they look for a match, they look for 10 different things to match with the body type they're trying to get the bone marrow for. And obviously, a good match is a 10 for 10 match. I've met people there with an eight for ten match, but there are other issues. Um, so many other issues with poor matches. So when looking for a match, they they typically would look for a sibling first, less complications, less issues, a lot similar bone marrow. And I had five siblings, and I'm going, yeah, this is going to be a lot better. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, none of them were matches. Oh man. Um, So we had to go to something called the Bone Marrow Registry to find a match, which is be the match is what some people would call it. Okay, It's a worldwide network of people who have actually agreed to donate bone marrow. If you're under 42 and over 18 years of age, please sign up for this. Giving bone marrow is is not really any more difficult than giving uh, red blood plates. And uh, you can save a life and you don't have to give your own to do it. and. Perhaps you'll actually get to meet the person whose life you'd save. So we had the stress of waiting to see if we would actually have a donor who would match. Uh, the bone marrow registry came back, and I was quite fortunate. I actually had five matches, which is wow. really unheard of. wonderful. Um, unlike so many other who are waiting there for a single match or only had one or none. I guess in the case with me, it was very good to be average. Hmm. My doctor in particular liked two of them. He said, I got two young men that I really like. I, you know, I want to get it from one of them. So they sent out a message asking for the first one potential donor if they would please consider donating. And of course, when they ask them, it's not a highway, well, you want to donate, it's a yeah. you could have this side effect, you could have that side effect, sure. you could have this, that, you know. and And so they kind of scare them. Yeah. And my first one came back and said no, which it, it is kind of scary. And though I had four other potential donors for Cindy and I, this was very stressful because it meant, first of all, another round of chemo. And it also meant I was down to four donors now. And I, I, I sat back and I said, oh, I see how it goes. They go to the show, they get the T-shirt, they sign up for mm-hmm. it. And then yeah. when the time comes to do it, then they get cold feet. Yeah, and I thought, I, oh, my God, how many more times am I going to have to go mm-hmm. through this before we're done? Um, Probably being selfish myself on that, but I really wanted to live.
1: Of course, yeah.
0: Of course, the next round of chemo was one of the harsh ones with the blisters. But at the end of it, we got an answer that we had a donor, Mm. um, that he said yes. And he's a 29-year-old male, and our prayers, of course, on that were answered.
1: Wonderful.
0: I began to make the preparations for the transplant after that. It would mean we'd need to go through yet another round of chemo and six rounds of full-body radiation to kill basically what was left of my immune system. Then on April 4th of 2014, I got my new immune system. Most patients after a transplant, the first thing they do is get you the heck out of the Mayo Clinic. Mm. They don't want any other germs that are there to affect you. right. But you need to stay within eight minutes of there for the next 100 days. Okay. Just in case there's a sudden change in, in the patient's condition. Sure. We, were, we were fortunate. We didn't have to stay the full 100 days. I, I had it so much easier than so many. Go ahead. What kills most bone marrow transplant recipients is really not the, the cancer or the disease they get. It's the cure. Hmm. Now my immune system, until it hopefully settles down, was going to look to attack any part of me. Unlike a heart or kidney transplant, where the doctor needs to protect the new organ, my doctor would need to take steps to stop my immune system from attacking pretty much any part of me. It's called graft-versus-host disease, GVHD for short. It means weakening my new immune system so it doesn't attack my organs, which means, of course, reduced immune system, more sickness possibilities, yeah, it, it means I need to obviously wash off and avoid sick people. No dust, no swimming, no dirt, no woodworking, no hunting, no children, no pets. Mm-hmm.
1: That sounds dreadful, Mark. Sounds yeah, it,
0: uh, they basically, it was, it, was, it was like, hi, Mark, what do you like to do? You can't do any of that. Uh,
1: yeah, and you but, can't see people. You can't see your family.
0: No, it, it, it's, it's a very secluded time. Right. If retirement's like that, I think I'm going to (laughs) work the rest of my life.
1: There you go. (laughs) Uh,
0: I I have issues with graft versus host. It still is there, and it will be an issue for the rest of my life, is what they tell me. Okay. So I want to tell you a little bit about my donor, because I I think it's important. Sure. Uh, So when you get a donor and you have the transplant, for the first year, you can't talk to them. What you can do is you can send letters to them, and provided both agree to get and receive letters. But you can't disclose any personal information, no names, no places, hmm. nothing that would give away where you're from.
1: That sounds tricky.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually kind of a, a game you get yeah. to play. Yeah, okay. Uh, you, you get to put in as much information as you can without giving it away and sure. having them block it out. A person at B, the match, of course, reads your, reads your message, blacks out the personal information, and then sends it on to the donor. My donor knew where I was from long before the year was up, because his person that he deals with said, "Do you want me to send this on to Minnesota for you?" Oh, there so you he go. knew where we were from. Sure, but Cindy and I did not know where he was from. Okay, we uh, we read his letters to us and guess where he was from, and the bone marrow was flown in from quite a ways away, so we, it, we knew he wasn't from the Midwest. After a year, we both agreed to allow each other to see the personal information and talk, contact each other. Hmm. I think their reason for holding it off for a year is the 20% of the people that die the first year. Okay. Obviously, they're looking for some reason, someone to blame. Sure, sure. And and they don't want to have that bonus recipient there for it. And I don't blame them, I, I think it's a good rule. It gave us something to do in our spare time. Okay. It it turns out he's a young man, 29, from San Diego, California, and his name is Ian. And last year we actually go out, got to go out and, and visit with him and wow. see, thank him personally, wow. and meet his wife and his How now two wonderful. children. Yeah, it was exciting. It was
1: oh. it was a. To know that you're facing somebody who's given a part of themselves so that you can still be alive. Yeah, I have I mean, his immune. Incredible. I have his immune
0: system. I have actually his DNA in my wow. blood.
1: Wow. Right Do now. you feel a little bit like moving to you know a warmer weather now that winter's coming up? Did you get now, that in the DNA?
0: One of the issues with my GVHD is it killed my tear ducts. Okay. Tear eyes. Oh, I don't okay. do tears. All right, and so dry eyes is a real problem oh. in the wintertime, yeah. of course. Yes, yeah. so you bet it does. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: I was thinking you needed me to come along and cry for you because I am really good at that, Mark. I'm a good <laughs> crier. <laughs> I,
0: I don't, I just threw into her tears of joy. Okay, uh, he's a lot of fun. he. He doesn't like it when we thank him, even though we thank him quite a bit. Oh, and I like that kind of person.
1: That's humble. Don't you think that's a um, humble he's, person? He's very humble. Yeah.
0: He's, he's, uh, he fits in with our family so mm. well. He says, no big deal. And, and obviously, it is a big deal. Of for course. Us. Um, and, I, and it was curious because you always wonder, why'd you sign up for this? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do mm-hmm. that? So when I asked him why he decided to be a donor, his answer obviously surprised all of us. He said he didn't remember ever signing up to be a donor.
1: Wow!
0: And yet, this is his second. Our mine was his second okay. request for blood don- or bone marrow. Really? Um, the first one he got down to the last week, and they said no, we've, we're going to use another one instead. Uh, but with mine, he got to go to the complete unit. So. Okay.
1: So Mark, let me just ask you a question. Let me shift this for a minute. Here here you are at this hospital, you know, Mayo Clinic, and everybody around the world knows that Mayo Clinic's a good place to be, especially when you're sick. You've gone through all of this treatment. This young man has given you a second opportunity for life, unlike your grandpa who didn't get to live very long. You said a couple years. So now you've gone out, you've met him, you feel that gratitude, that gratefulness. What... You know, what was it like during that hard time um, where you and Cindy were in Rochester eight minutes away or within eight miles, and you were away from family, you were away from Benson, you have your business here, which is State Farm. What was that like? Did it feel lonely? Was it scary?
0: You know, I, Cindy and I had always planned on going south in the wintertime when we retired okay. for, for a period of time. Sure. And of course, so we're down in Rochester, and the circumstances are obviously different. Uh, but, and I always figured that she'd be the one that would say, I want to go back home. I'm sick and tired of going down south, you know? Yeah. Uh-uh. No. It was the opposite. It was I you? was so dang lonely. Oh. And, and again, the circumstances are different. Sure. Um, we were, She got me a different phone. I used to have the old flip-top phones, and she got me one of the... FaceTime phones so I could FaceTime my family. that
1: was good. And that
0: was very good. It was very helpful. Mm. Um, These things, when they happen, are so hard on the caregiver, not necessarily the
1: patient. Oh, I think you're right. I think it's as hard for both of you because, you know, you're trying to keep everything together, keep that person encouraged and shared. But here's what I love about your story, Mark. I mean, we're from Benson, right? So everywhere you went, everybody was in it with you, whether you ever knew it or not, everybody was in it. I would be in the grocery store. People would be talking about praying for Mark Frank. I would be at my Bible study. We have 20 little grandmas, and they would be out saying, okay, my prayer request. We would go around the table. Everybody was you. That You were the prayer request. We were praying for you and cheerleading you on, and people were worried. People were scared. They were in it with you, and I love that about a small town. So um, you know, when we think about being grateful and thankful, tell me, you know, out of all the things that you went through, you're obviously grateful to be alive. You've already told us this wonderful man, Ian, you know, was an incredible blessing. Cindy and your family, you know, what are the other things that you feel like God helped you with for being here today?
0: Well, I, and I do appreciate the, all the prayers of the mm. community and the support. Of the well, they love They're you. Love it. you. Yeah. They're still doing it. They're still doing it. Don't forget it. That's right. Uh, uh, And it's something that I'll never, ever be able to repay back. Uh, Living in a small community. I mean, I've always said you could pay me a million dollars more and I still wouldn't live in the cities. Mm. Uh, I I love small communities. I like it where, you know, some people say, well, everybody knows everybody else's business. They do, but... They also know when you need them, when That's you need right. help, and when, exactly. when you're there, when you're hurting. Mm-hmm. And I love that about our community. It really is a good community. Yeah,
1: it is. It is. And when we think about it, um, you know, God was such an incredible instrument of bringing people together through your trial, through your trouble. Um, how did you feel, you know, faith was stretched in this?
0: Uh Faith can be stretched in this, and you again. People look for someone to blame. Mm. Uh, a person asked me once. They said, "Are you angry at God for giving you this disease?" And uh, and it's a person that I admire greatly. And I said to her, I said, "I don't plan on um, doing anything but spending eternity with my Lord,
1: mm.
0: and I'm sure not going to start out by being angry at him." <laughs>
1: Hi, it's me, Mark. I'm mad at you, right? (laughs)
0: Yeah. And um, so I I approached it that way. I also approached it with the idea that if of anyone in my family getting this, I'm glad it chose me instead of anyone else Hmm. because I wouldn't wish this on anybody.
1: Oh, of course not. And so so
0: I'm glad it chose me instead of somebody else in my family.
1: I am too. I am too. And I know for you and Cindy, um, people did come around. I know it must have been hard to be you know, away from the community here in Rochester during those days. You know, people were back here cheering you on, like I said, and praying. And as we look back, do you feel like, um, you know, how you feel like your faith got challenged? And, you know, how did you see God at work other than this fabulous Ian and your great doctors?
0: You, You see it in just meeting other patients there, the, the faith that people have there, you know, it's like a, a soldier, an atheist that goes to war is not an atheist for long, you know. Yeah, yeah. Once you get to the edge, mm-hmm. you, you look for something to hang on to. Sure. And Obviously, I had that long before I ever got to the edge, yeah. so it makes it so much easier. Oh. Um, we, my family was able to avoid a lot of the stress because I have good health insurance, and I've got good life insurance and disability insurance. I also had Nancy back at the office to watch that, She's so I didn't great. have that concern. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And and so, all of them things played into making my my issues so much easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I, ter- I I depend quite heavily on the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. I pray to her daily, yeah. and uh, you know, as long as I'm praying for something reasonable. She seldom disappoints.
1: That's wonderful. Um
0: she doesn't give me what I want, but she certainly is good at giving me what I need.
1: That's so great, Mark. And I'm so thankful for you that God brought you through this. And obviously, he had a reason for you still to be here. You've got a purpose, and I love that you're serving your community and even in the fact that, you know, you've had to go through this. You are an incredible example to the rest of us. So I'm so grateful. So as we are talking about being thankful and grateful today, give me a couple of things that you hold dearly. And, and tell us why, okay? Well,
0: I'm obviously thankful for my bride, Cindy.
1: Well, of course. And we, um, we think she's great. Yes, and we uh, think Nancy's great, too. Nancy's a good, steady Eddie to have back at the office.
0: Uh, I'm thankful, obviously, for God giving me time, uh, the support of the Blessed Virgin Mary, who, who have pulled me through this difficult journey. Uh, never would have survived without Cindy's support. Um, and like I said, it's always, it is always toughest on the caregiver. My children filled in when Cindy needed a break. I, I'm very thankful for the community I live in. Uh, the people here are just absolutely second to none. They are. And uh, my faith in, in my community has been reaffirmed through this as well. Mm. Uh, you know, man does help man. trust me, it's not all about me.
1: They do.
0: Um, our family and our friends, uh, the doctors and the nurses here, as as well as at Mayo and Wilmer, are very good, and uh, they they really have a difficult job day after day after day, and yet they still do it with a smile mm. and I just I just after living through it, I just can't get over how impressive they are. Yeah. I've got an all-healing prayer blanket, mm. and baby, does that work. That's great. Um, thankful for music, which is also a healing thing for me. I am thankful for the people I've gotten to meet at Mayo. So many have already left this world, mm. and I do sometimes wonder why I lived and they did not, because there are some really good people that left this world. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was very happy that I got to walk my Courtney down the aisle Mary marry Chris Rittenauer, who was a very wonderful and understanding young man. Got to see my grandchild. That's great. And uh, we should have had them years and years ago. Yes. I can see that now. <laughs> uh, again, thankful God has showed me the greater good of our community, and thankful for the continued prayers and support we still receive daily.
1: That's wonderful, Mark. <laughs> I'm so grateful because as we look at that right now, even today, we're looking at um, politicians, Hollywood um, elites who are saying, you know, why bother praying? Somebody went into a church and killed everybody praying. Where was God? Well, we know, Mark, that God's with us in this world through the good and through the bad. And the power of prayer was so evident, um, so real watching people in our community pray for you. I loved people being so sincere and continuing the support of week after week. We've got to remember to pray for Mark. So I'm so grateful because you're an incredible example. I'm thankful for you, what you do for our community. Thankful that you're here today. So thanks for uh, being here. Happy Thanksgiving and blessings to you and Cindy and your family.
0: Thank you for having me on your program. Bless you and and the good works that you do for our community. Keep it up.
1: As a little girl of 12, it was my job at church to put together the Thanksgiving service, and I'm still doing it some 40 years later. I've been working on preparation for the Benson Ecumenical Service that will be held at First Baptist right here in Benson on Wednesday, November 22nd at 7 p.m. But right now, I wanted to come up with something that was nice for all of us. And each year, I like to gather scripture and songs and poetry and hymns in preparation for a heart that's thankful and grateful and blessed. So here's a lovely poem from Margaret Cagle called Let Us Be Thankful. The days are getting shorter. A chill is in the air. Many birds are flying south. We see them here and there. Strokes from God's paintbrush paint the autumn leaves in orange, red, and yellow hues into pretty patterns he weaves. The harvest has been reaped and has been safely gathered in. We're ready for Thanksgiving Day when we visit relatives and kin. We're thankful for our blessings, which from our God overflowed. There are so many we can't count. To us, our God hath bestowed. Listeners, one of the most important things for us is to remember that even in times where we feel like we can't find God, God is still right there. We need to be grateful for good health, for life, for what we have, because we never know when things will be different. Let me pray with you. Dear Jesus, thank you for the difficult days as well as the great ones. Thank you that you are with us through it all. Help us to remain faithful and trusting, strong and assured as we walk the path of life, no matter what it brings. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you enjoy this podcast, subscribe to it on iTunes and please give us a favorable review so that other people can listen to the show and enjoy it as well. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best.